Bad Sandwich by Dan Thompson and Jim Eaton. Episode 2, The Tree. So, you want to hear a ghost story? Very well, I think I have one that should please you. It began some twenty years ago when I was but a young man, growing up on the mean streets of Melton Mowbray. I had been left an orphan, which was fortunate because orphans were worth a considerable sum in those days, and having sold the child to a passing circus, I was able to leave my job at the moustache factory and pursue my true passion of being an author. I had embarked upon what was to be my first great work, a book about sex, or dogs, or or possibly sexy dogs, and I reasoned that only the quiet tranquillity of the countryside would provide me with the peace that I needed. Alas, what I found there was something else entirely. Setting out from London, I travelled for several hours, first by train, then horse, then unicycle, and then horse again, and then upon a horse riding a unicycle, and finally on the back of a roofer named Terry. Finally, I arrived at my destination. Whoa, Terry! Nay. Finding myself in a charming little village whose name is both not important and a bit racist, I made my way to a local inn to inquire about a room. Good day, sir. Good day indeed, madam. I was wondering if perhaps I might trouble you for a room. I'm afraid not, sir. I beg your pardon? This is an inn, is it not? It is well, then. not. It's not an inn? It's a B&B. Surely that is just semantics. Maybe so. But you will find me to be a woman who prizes specificity above all things. Well, come now. Whatever you choose to call this place, clearly you do have a room, for I can see a key hanging there upon the peg. The one with a 13 upon it. No, you wouldn't want to stay in that room, sir. Why, is it dirty? No, sir. Bad smell? No, sir. Well, why the deuce not? The tree. I'm sorry. What do you mean by... The tree. The tree. (laughs) Growing tired of her evasiveness, I demanded that she behave plainly. Whereupon she thrust her arms out to the side and ran around the room making propeller noises. This was befuddling, due to it being odd, rude, and 1857. Perhaps out here you have certain superstitions, but I am a Mowbray man, and I will not hear of such things. Now give me that key. You must listen, sir. Oh, for goodness sake, put that metal sheet away. Sorry. That's better. Now. Here is a purse containing exactly the correct amount for the hire of the room. Kindly hand me the key. As you wish it. But know, sir, that strange things have been known to happen around these parts. Strange? How so? Well, sir, just last night I were passing the old tree that grows outside this very house when I fancied that I saw something dash up the side of it. Well, it was probably a squirrel. Save for the fact that this creature had eight legs. Probably two squirrels. Alas, no, sir. Well, then three squirrels. 
One on all fours, the others clasping their hands behind their backs, as is customary for a formal squirrel on an evening sojourn. Again! No, sir. Well, what was it? Five squirrels, four riding pogo sticks, and the fifth filled with hydrogen and held aloft like a balloon! Sorry, how is this relevant? Though it's not. <clears throat> this way, sir. And with that, she led me up a narrow flight of stairs to the guest rooms. On the landing of the second floor, she stopped, seeming to recoil from one of the doors before us. Now, sir, before we go any further, you must promise me, no matter what happens, you must never, ever go in that room. Laughing at her ridiculous superstitions, I threw open the door and strode in, whereupon I fell ten feet to the ground. The room had not yet been built. I did tell you not to go in it, sir. Once I dusted myself off and reclaimed what was left of my dignity from the floor, I followed the innkeeper. Passing the unbuilt room, we climbed up a staircase that creaked and groaned, and then another one that squeaked and moaned and finally one that barked and wrote angry letters to the Daily Telegraph. All the while, the innkeeper continued to mutter to herself. The tree! The tree! The tree! Not this room! No! 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 I refrained from trying to engage her in any further conversation, and once we had reached the landing on the next floor, she stopped outside a door with Room 13 written on it in threatening letters. These had been scribbled out, and someone, I presume the innkeeper, had written, Not this room, in even more threatening letters over the original text. These had in turn been scribbled out, and somebody had drawn a willy. I shook my head and tuttered. This stirred her into life, and she span round and thrust the key into my face. Are you sure, sir? quite sure you want to stay in this room. I merely nodded and grabbed the key from her. As I inserted it into the lock, she took my hand suddenly. Good luck. And then she was gone, as if by magic, but in fact, by the stairs. All of this nonsense had rather worn me out, but I must confess I was beginning to feel a certain amount of trepidation after the quite alarming build-up to this moment. I opened the door slowly, dreading fresh lunacy would be awaiting me on the other side, but to my surprise the room was perfectly normal. There were the usual things one would expect of an English hotel room, a bed, a sideboard, a life-size sculpture of Queen Victoria made out of tea, but nothing more. I put my case down and crossed to the window to see what sort of view may have been available, but, to my slight disappointment, the vista was nearly completely blocked by the branches of an ancient tree, no doubt the one the innkeeper had been babbling about earlier, and any hope of a rewarding and inspiring view was totally dashed. I sat down and took out my notes and manuscript. Soon I was busy at work and completely absorbed in the world of stimulating canines. By the time I fell asleep at my desk, I was completely unaware of the slow, gentle tap, tap, tap of the branches on the window. The tree! 
The window had blown open, and a harsh wind filled the room, scattering the replica queen all over her accompanying biscuit Prince Albert. Shivering, I forced the window closed and turned towards the bed, where my eyes fell upon a most curious sight. Upon the covers, spelled out in bits of foliage, a single word. A curse? A warning? No, it was something far worse. Leave. It was a pun. <gasps> Good God! Shaken and appalled, I swept the bracken from my sheets and clambered into bed fully clothed. I dare say I did not sleep a wink that night. Shaken but undeterred, I rose the next day determined to unravel the mystery of the peculiar tree. Eager to gather as much information as possible, I decided to speak to the local villagers. I first called upon the parson, but found him a bed. I next tried the blacksmith, but found him a chair. Finally, I put my spectacles on, realized I'd been talking to the furniture in my room, and headed into the village proper. I tried every house I could find, but to no avail. Doors were slammed in my face, people ran away in terror, and the overall feeling was that all the inhabitants of that wretched place were innately uncooperative. Whether this was down to the sinister machinations of the tree, or simply due to the staggering quantity of medicinal cocaine that I'd imbibed at breakfast, we shall never know. I returned to the innkeeper that evening, utterly dejected. No luck, sir. It's preposterous! I can't find a single soul willing to speak of the blasted tree. When I mentioned I was staying in room 13, one woman threw a bucket of horse manure over my face. I don't doubt that, sir. Folk round here daren't speak of such things. But why the manure? Old local superstitions, sir. Manure protects you from the devil. Really? Oh, yes. We put manure on everything round here. Houses, babies, food. I pushed my plate to one side. But what the devil is so special about that room? It's the tree, sir. They say the very ground it grows upon is cursed. Cursed? Aye. According to local legend, the tree grows upon the site of a wicked monastery, which itself was built upon the site of a pagan temple, which itself was built upon the site of an old Indian burial ground. How is that even possible? Continental drift, sir. Really? Aye. And back before my time, the old justice used to hang criminals from the very branches of that black oak. Criminals? The worst of the worst, sir. Murderers, highwaymen, tabloid journalists. Strung them up, six at a time. Eventually, after all the years and all the screams, the tree grew quite mad. But what does this have to do with me? Well, sir, I did warn you against taking that room. You see, that is the very room that the condemned men used to sleep in the night before they were given to the tree. And ever since then, 
every man who has slept in that room has been dead by the second morning. Dead? Dead, sir. Then why are you still renting the room out? Well, it's a talking point, isn't it? Enough! Madam, I am an Englishman, and I fear nothing except God, emotions, and literally everything about women. And Zulus, sir. And Zulus, obviously, but no tree. Now hear me. I shall finish my book about sex or dogs, or possibly sexy dogs, and I shall finish it tonight. Good day, madam. You cannot leave yet, sir. Just watch me. My chair's on your scarf. So it is. Would you mind? <clears throat> Thank you. Now, good day. And without another word, I marched back towards my room. Slamming the door behind me, I resolved to write the whole night through. Oh, that is a pleasing phrase to say. And prove that I would not fall foul of any superstition. I bolted the door firmly from the inside, and then finally sat down to begin my work. As I began furiously to pour words onto the page, I once again heard the tapping of branches against the window. I looked over and could see the shadow of leaves insistently pressed against the glass, and almost, it seemed at the time anyway, straining to get into the room. I laughed quietly to myself and returned to my work. Words were flowing like a babbling brook. I covered page after page with dense, titillating detail. My mind was whirring, and my fingers ached with the effort. I was going to finish it that night, I simply knew it, and neither sleep nor sapling would stop me. What was that? As the glass crashed to the floor, I stared in disbelief at the ungodly terror that was working its way into my room. I would attempt to describe the creature, but there is no way you could possibly fathom its appearance, unless of course you've seen a tree before, because it was in fact a tree. Reaching its branches in through the shattered glass, it stretched its devilish acorns towards me. Gripped by revulsion and near blind with panic, I cried out a relevant passage from the Bible. GET AWAY FROM ME, YOU TWIGGY SHIT! Well, I say Bible. Alas, the blighted oak cared not for the word of God and mercilessly forced itself into the room. Finally, my hand found the door handle and I flew down the stairs, the tree in close pursuit. I ran hither and thither, before doubling back to hither again in an effort to confuse it. But alas, the maleficent shrub had sensed my ruse and was waiting for me in a patch of heather in the hither. Clever girl. Please! Please, I beg you! But I may as well have been pleading with a tree for all the good that pleading with the tree did me. I pressed myself against the door of one of the bedrooms, mad with fright, and closing my eyes as if it were not a tree but a lady's ankle bearing down upon me. The twig scratched my face, the leaves grabbed at my hair, somewhere close by a squirrel laughed mockingly. I braced myself for the end. Sir? Madam? I, I'm alive! What happened? You fell into the room that's not been built again, sir. I were awoke by the sound. But the tree! It was right on top of me! I thought I was done for! You needn't worry about the tree anymore, sir. The tree is gone. Gone? Indeed. Gone far, far away at long last. How is that possible? 
continental drift, sir. I left the village that morning and never returned. The manuscript was never published and I have it to this very day. As for the tree, I can only assume it still stands somewhere, awaiting its next victim. And that's why you have a book about sexy dogs? Yes. Not because you have sex with dogs. I also have sex with dogs. I'm not drinking with you anymore. The Tree was written and recorded by Dan Thompson and Jim Eaton. It starred Jim Eaton as the old narrator, Gareth Cooper as the young narrator, and Nicholas Sangster as the innkeeper. Additional voices by Dan Thompson. Music was by bensounds.com and purpleplanet.com. This has been a Bad Sandwich production for... Some Voles?